0: i've i've done quite a bit of prep i've read um you know a couple of books and all the major um kind of articles in the theological encyclopedia stuff like that um what about you what have you done i did a dot dot the cross <laughs> good, good enough for me colored it in looked it up on wikipedia <laughs> yeah okay good we're all covered then yeah i think
1: so. i think so <laughs> Are you ready for this? No. Oh, no, yeah. I did Lewis revise Shopping. a few bits actually through books okay. that I that I really enjoyed on that, and oh. uh, and I found really help not enjoyed but found really helpful. I didn't reread The Cross by John John John. Yeah, by John. No, what's his name? Oh, I forgot that. Stott. Stott, yes. No. But I have, you know, I mean, I feel like in my time I must have read. I don't know, countless books on that. By countless, I mean three or four. (laughs) (laughs) Specifically on the cross.
0: (laughs) Let's get on with it, shall we? Please do. Uh, Welcome, everybody, to episode um, 50. Blue Blind 50. 50, the big (laughs) five-o. Exactly. We're all middle-aged of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. My name is Nick Page. I'm joined by my good friend, uh, John, uh, Job. John you John, there? John Stott. John Stott. <laughs> <laughs> Old Stotty. Um, <laughs>
1: Joe Davis. Yes, hi everyone. Back from the grave. It really works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I I couldn't think of anybody less like John Stott. Do you right. know
1: John Stott was a great bird watcher as well? He was actually. Did he, he wrote had a, a, a book on
0: birds? Did he? he, he wrote, yes, yeah, I think he I knew a book that. On, on, the Kingdom of the Birds, or something like that. Yeah. Teachers,
1: that is not a stopped book that I Talking read. Talking of
0: which, I went bird watching this week. Did you? On I Monday, I, I went bird watching and I saw common cranes. Wow. Hmm. Whereabouts? Otmore, mm. in, near Oxford. Oh. Marvellous. That's... Great big place. It's like seeing an ostrich suddenly in the middle of a field. It's quite remarkable. <laughs> They're huge. Are they? Anyway. That was good. Are they yeah, bigger yeah. than
1: great white egrets? I'm assuming they probably oh, yes. are. yes, yeah. they
0: are. They're very big. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. They're, they're, they're well, why why didn't you invite me
1: bird watching, your friend?
0: Um, because I got invited out very on a very short notice, and also you mm, live three hours away in Worthing.
1: Yeah. But I would be prepared to do that with you. I'm just
0: saying. Well, you'll have to do it next time you come up.
1: Hey, we'll listen. I, on mm. that note, mm. I had this idea for next year. Okay. That well, you know our favourite bird watching place is Minsmere, like Absolutely. the RSPB's premier kind of and first bird reserve in mm. Suffolk. So I was thinking if we could book the Westleton, which is quite expensive, that's the only trouble. But if we could book that, we could do twenty four hours with listeners, bird watching and talking mid faith stuff. But primarily bird watching. Of our 20 listeners, there's got to be 10 of them who <laughs> like bird watching,
0: And there's a great many more who hate it and are thinking that they couldn't think of anything worse than spending <laughs> no. 24 hours with us watching birds. No, but on a
1: serious note, if anyone is interested oh, yeah, in that because yeah, right totally I would, I would love to organise it. We're going to spring or late spring, early summer. Yeah which is the right time to go. And you will okay. see bitterns and marsh harriers and uh, bearded... Don't promise and a, what you can't And above
0: all bearded tits. Well, that's obvious, you'd say yeah. that. But, uh, you know, bitterns. Anyway, that, well, OK, if you're interested in that, that, that that's something to, to think about. Yeah, um, other than that, me. how are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm OK. If I'm honest, I'm ready for a holiday. There's yeah. been... A, there's been a, there has been a lot going on. A lot of really depressing stuff. I won't bore you with all the detail. And currently, my wife is poorly at the moment. She has oh, infection. To hear so, yes, we're ready for a holiday. We're off on Saturday to Dorset.
0: Right. I intend to Lovely. go bird
1: watching amongst other things. Very
0: good. Well, it sounds like you need it. Yes. Um... And for that reason that Joe's on holiday, this we're not sure really what we're going to do with this next couple of podcasts because we may do one that's split into two and they may be released at the same time. And I'll, I don't know, I'll I'll make some kind of announcement about it via Facebook. <laughs> it goes away. And also because the, today's one, we're going to look at the cross and atonement and all that kind of stuff. It could be quite a bumper one. Yeah, Um so, carefully, my friend. <laughs> yeah, but more importantly, I went to see uh, Michael McIntyre Did on night. Did you? Oh, in a brilliant. very small theatre in the Oxford Playhouse, where he was oh, um, previewing material and uh, because of getting back into the groove, because he's doing a national tour, stadium yeah. kind of tour thing, yeah. and uh, he got a big split of three months in the middle. So I think he was doing it to get back, yeah, to get the good kind of rhythm back. So it's an amazing opportunity to see somebody that like that really yeah. close up, yeah, not on a screen, yeah, uh, sure. How was it? And he's. Ah oh, he's brilliant I, I mean as a as a kind of you know somebody who attempts to write comedy, you know looking well, you at a technician like that, looking at somebody and yeah. sort of analyzing how he works he's he's brilliant he's, yeah he's very 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 good he is. he's very physical, he's much more physical than you you realize, so he uses a lot of mime and yeah. you know, body uh, yeah. comedy. Yeah, he and, does. Um, yeah, And a lot of accents. He's very clever. So, yeah, I was, that was remarkable. Oh, uh, brilliant.
1: Him. I read He's his great. autobiography uh, last year. Very, yeah. just really funny. i very... Yeah. I had no idea Kenny Everett was so influential in his life. Yeah. Did you know yeah,
0: that? Yeah, he so knew him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah exactly. yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. amazing. Yeah. And then the <laughs> week, really week before... Interesting guy. Uh, ...for my... But daughter's belated eighteenth birthday present, we went to see Hamilton in London, the musical. Oh, how is he? Some of you, he, he's very good. He sends his love. He um, it's just amazing. Is it? Just brilliant. Yeah, very moving. It won lots of awards, didn't it? Yeah, it does. It, you, you've got to like musicals, which I don't think you do. Do you? it's <sighs> uh, not my favourite,
1: but you know I make an exception for Mamma Mia Two and The Greatest oh, she, Showman. Uh,
0: okay, well this is completely sung. So there's no dialogue. Oh, really? It. So it's okay. more like an opera in that sense. And no, I do uh, it find it that uses, hard work. Uses a lot of rap and hip hop and stuff oh. like that, which is it's amazing stuff. It's brilliant. And but there's a song in it, um, which is about forgiveness at the end, as it's about it's, it's towards the, okay. towards the end, it's sort of a wife forgiving her husband and and. Uh, I oh, was just in floods of tears, and Oh, really—you <laughs> don't know why, but it just really hit me. And I was sitting in the theatre, and I'm sobbing. And you can't sob really loudly in a theatre. No, it's it's not. It's, it's not good. Not good. It's <laughs> not good. You could sort of get away with it sometimes in the cinema because there's so much noise coming over you. No, really. But it was amazing. So I had, I had really good seen some really interesting stuff. Oh, that's and then you, good. you you went to the theatre. too.
1: <laughs> it, yeah, we went to see the play that goes wrong. <laughs> and
0: it was, oh, right.
1: It's so funny. It's just. It's slapstick nonsense, but I defy anyone not to just yeah. laugh at the, <laughs> the sheer stupidity of it all. It is wonderful. Very, very silly. And if you know, if you're if you're feeling a bit miserable like I have been, it's a real tonic. <laughs> yeah. Good.
0: Well, let's get on. Anyway. Shall uh, we? yes, shall we?
1: Oh, before we do, can I just mention a date for the listeners' diaries? uh saturday the 10th of november i'm getting uh i'm getting young alexander shire uh who will be fresh from having walked the camino way to come and speak in brighton uh again it's saturday the 10th of november and it'll probably be like a 10 to 4 uh four o'clock in the afternoon kind of scenario so um uh, watch your space for details. It's just the whole administration of it. And if you want to help with the administration of it, do write into Joe at MidFaithGroces.org. <laughs> do write into... <laughs> my, might not happen. Do <laughs>
0: write into it, I've bitten off more than I can chew again. Yes. At MidFaithGroces.org. <laughs> Welcome Christ to my life. <laughs> Splendid. Oh, that would
1: be funny if it wasn't true. Anyway, uh, shall we... Go on then. To the emails. Yeah, go on then. OK, well, OK, so from John. And we've had some great emails. Thank you, everyone, who's written. I haven't got time to read them all. Uh, John says, just wanted to say thanks to the latest broadcast. It's really timely for me right now. I'm going through a bit of a rough time at the moment. Made my own confession to a friend this week, which was really helpful and encouraging. I think the two phrases we most need to hear in situations like mine are, you are loved, as Nick mentioned in the podcast, and you are not alone, which my friend encouraged me with. And he says, sin, a word that I'm starting to become more comfortable with after a long time steering clear of, uh, lives in secrecy and shame. This is broken by, among other things, confession and community. And he said he's reading Russell Brand's book and he's also uh, mentions a couple of other books. Uh, Richard Rohr, he says, uh, talks about escaping the cycle of sin and repentance uh, without transformation. He says, the usual and expected ego pattern is this, sin, punishment repentance transformation and he says this is totally recalibrated by ezekiel after experiencing the perfection of yahweh's love for israel which is always the purifying touchstone for him the pattern is radically changed and becomes instead sin unconditional love transformation repentance
0: that's really interesting isn't it Hmm. i need i need to think about that
1: yeah Hmm. yeah yeah we do need to and he says maybe a podcast on the 12 steps and christian spirituality is in order Okay. okay. Uh, Thank you, John. Steve uh, says, Joe, Nick, as ever, thanks for uh, letting us listen in to your conversations. Really helpful and encouraging. Uh, an aspect of faith that I've been working through recently and would be interested in your views is around being transformed and the role of the Holy Spirit. Sounds all very theological, but I grew up with the story that kind of says, follow Christ and the Holy Spirit will fill you and you will be a new man. The Holy Spirit comes in and transforms all the bad and very soon you will be holy. <laughs> <laughs> it says we seem to be very little on how this comes about other than pray harder and keep doing stuff for god keep busy this came up on the forgiveness podcast transformation and shame in the 12 steps if i'm honest i can see very little transformation in my life but then maybe what i understand by that term could be wrong and he goes on to recommend breathing underwater by Richard Rohr and the divine conspiracy by dallas willard and he asks so how about a conversation between you and nick about what really transforms us
0: yeah, we should definitely have that, and it should follow from the topic that we're going to talk about today. Actually.
1: Yes, yeah, I guess so. And also, I, I think it is a sort of a, a drip-feeding dominant theme throughout all the podcasts, or at least that's my perception, but yeah, it is. maybe yeah. that's not Steve's. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: unknown. actually, hang on, thinking about it, the one after, the one after this will be our two-year... We'll yeah. have been together for two years, Joe. Oh. That's a, really, it might be time to make a proper commitment. It's a beautiful sure. thing. <laughs> Let's extend the it, trial period. Yeah, <laughs> if you want it, you should have put a ring on it, as Beyonce says. Anyway, yes. um, yeah, so we maybe talk about it in that, because it's a good thing to talk about, um, you know, what the podcast yeah. is about, which is yes. sort of fundamental. What is something. it about? Oh, it's about <laughs> 35 minutes too long. Yeah, okay. Go on, <laughs> it's then.
1: another 36-minute podcast, folks. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> Angus says, uh, Dear Joe and Nick, okay, this is interesting because he signs himself off an old bushy Baptist colleague yeah, of Nick's. Yeah. So for start, Yeah, I know Angus. But... Okay, well, he says, Dear Joe and Nick, I've just started listening to a few of your shows. I very much enjoyed episode 49, which has some lovely stories of forgiveness and redemption. Thank you. Two brief points. Nick said, Shame is never helpful. I think this may not be quite a balanced biblical view. And then he's put smiley face. Sorry, Nick. I think the Bible strikes a balance between shame, repentance on one hand and forgiveness on the other. The first preceding the last. In other words, I think we have to have shame to recognise our need of forgiveness. And shame is thus necessary for true repentance. John the Baptist emphasised this and Jesus commended this in the man who beat his breast saying, woe is me for I am a sinner. So that's point number one. And point number two, there's quite a bit of talk about loving yourself and forgiving yourself. Although this is very trendy in modern therapy and parlance, I don't believe it is biblical, but rather more humanistic. The Bible talks about accepting God's forgiveness. That is the difference. Many thanks for a great episode. Keep going. So... Um,
0: well I think uh point 2 I would say uh I don't really see that if it's to do with modern therapy it's not good. Uh I think it's a bit like saying well you know that modern penicillin stuff that's just modern medicine that that's <laughs> so good. you know it's, it's part of why the yeah. reason it's because to do with um, yeah. you know loving yourself forgiving yourself is so important in modern therapy it's so important but didn't it's Jesus really
1: didn't Jesus get there first with love your neighbor as you love
0: yourself. Yes, yes. So I think the concept of what what is sort of, you know, in the Bible is is a bit broader than that anyway. Um I so I, I I wouldn't go with that one. Point 1, I think I've been thinking about that. I think he's probably right in a way. I think you could nuance it a bit better. Yeah. Um I think perhaps shaming is never helpful, rather yeah. than shame. I mean, shame can, yeah. uh, although actually it doesn't, uh, as, my, as I understand it from talk to friends who are psychiatrists and dealing with it. They would say that shame rarely works. You know, people can be yeah. ashamed of doesn't their behavior, form. No. ashamed of their behavior, and still not change it. But I think it could happen, and I think they can get to a point where you are, yeah. you are, you know you are shamed and you need to turn around and it's a kind of shock but so i would say that shame probably if i nuanced that and got that better thanks angus i would say shaming is never very helpful yeah shaming people is never very helpful and i think
1: i think the point i was trying to make pastorally last time is no is for people who get stuck in shame in other words like as you said they just never break out of it so so they've done something bad they felt the shame and then they've repented and you know, received God's forgiveness. But no, they never forgive themselves. And it's, yeah. it was specifically into yes. that loop that I was... Um, trying and
0: I to think say. when we come to talk about the cross, we'll be talking a bit about, um, I'll be talking a little bit about shame anyway, and yeah. a shame culture. But also, we will t- touch on this statement that people often use, but you know, it's, it's, it's not biblical. It's not quite what he said, I know that. But it, it, mm. it, it, you know, people often say, I've got a biblical view of this. Oh, now, yeah, well, the, Bi- the Bible's very big and it's got lots of words in <laughs> and, and lots one of who's... conflicting views and yes as we shall see there are any number of ways of being biblical uh, on, yeah. on these kinds of things anyway thank you Angus um, it would be yeah. good to have a pint sometime yes always uh, yeah, with or without you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I didn't know if, if you were just making that statement, no, or that's whether just it was a in general, reference to Angus. It's, it's what? It's ten thirty in the morning. <laughs> it just is something that occurred to me.
1: Okay, uh, Gareth uh, wrote in, and um, thank you for the email, Gareth. Brilliant. He, he told a really great story about experiencing forgiveness. But he says, I, "I'm not going to go into. this quite long." But he says, finishes by saying, "I wouldn't uh, wish these feelings on anybody." But it amazes me how God takes that steaming pile of horse manure we sometimes get ourselves neck deep in. (laughs) and uses us and uses it to make us better and uses that forgiveness he offers to not just change the darkest most horrible moments but the rest of our lives from that moment and uh, you know I I just really like the hope with which he finished uh, that story and uh, I think that's absolutely true and it seems to be quite a few people's experience as well so
0: yeah and again this episode is nothing if it's not about the steaming pile of horse manure that we sometimes get ourselves neck deep in. Yeah,
1: Um, (laughs) exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. David said, hi, Joe. Really enjoyed the last few podcasts. He says, I was very moved by the feedback on the issue of forgiveness. And I'm so glad he said that because... We have been, I know, and oh. good, that came through. And he says, and it reminded me of a series of short videos by the late Ed Dobson called Ed's Story. Nick introduced me to these videos and so he can explain the background to how these were made. There's a very powerful episode on forgiveness, which looks at the subject from both being forgiven and asking for forgiveness.
0: Yeah, Ed's Story, I think you can see some of them on... Uh, various viewing platforms. Um, he, Ed Dobson was a man who, a, a very f- m- pastor of a mega church who who, who got um, what the Americans call ALS. We call motor neurone disease. Okay. And then he did a series of sort of videos. They're incredibly powerful. I recommend them. Really recommend them. Okay. Um. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll try and put a link in. Okay. In so, on the website about. Yeah. It, do that.
1: Do that. Notes. So. Okay. Thanks for that, David. Yeah. Thank you, mate. But then. Um, as I think, I mean, for for the sharp-eared listeners, um, people have been asking us to do one on the cross. I think especially since uh, the one we did on hell. Um, and, you know, um, ask us how, how in the mid-faith do we see Jesus as saviour and how do we understand? Aww. And this this one we had from Barbie following the episode on hell, I think it's fairly typical. She says, Hi, Joe and Nick. Hope you're well. I really like listening, but I can't match up what you say with what Jesus said, especially with regards to hell and the need for repentance of sins. Why did he die on the cross if it doesn't matter about sin? Because we all go to heaven anyway. Sorry, chaps, but I'm off. I really like you. Woo. That's a reference to something else. But you worry me, Barbie, <laughs> former non-church goer, but now attends one. So I don't know what she means by I'm off. Does she mean I'm off never listening to the podcast or she's just off? Out? I don't know. Barbie, are you still there? Are you there? Nope. down to 18 listeners. Yeah,
0: well, it's, it's, we peaked. I mean, that—that that is the key question I think we're going to look at uh, Yeah. today. Why did Jesus die on the cross? I mean, I, I would say that repentance isn't easy. You know, people have to pick ever since we've come out with the show on hell and, and mm. the idea of universalism. The idea that somehow people are getting let off scot free yeah. has is is sort of seen as part of that, and I don't think that's what happens. I do mm. not think that's what happens. I think that it's you know to to confront your sins and to to repent is not necessarily easy. It's not like saying, yeah. uh, you know, oh, oh, that's it, that's all dealt with. I don't think it should be as easy as that because mm. I think God is a God of justice. So I think there is a a sense of. Uh, uh, having to deal with that in a much deeper and, and perhaps even you know uh, difficult way that that people have but um anyway mm, anyway mm. so so that's what we're going to talk about okay. today yes but before is we do okay
1: yes good i just want to do quite a quite a big
0: preamble here do you want to get the rant out of the way is that, well, what it's we're not doing that i want here? to
1: get the rant out of the way I, uh, no i don't want to rant um but I, I just want to recognise we're touching on a very sensitive and explosive subject, strangely, the cross. I mean, because for many people, you this is the doctrine you cannot touch. You can't question this. You can't talk about that. We were told like the very first thing most of us heard is Jesus took our punishment on a cross. There's this, Sin had caused this huge gap, but God punished his son, Jesus, in our place. And by receiving... Uh, the forgiveness that comes, you know, we are saved. Therefore, to suggest that there might have been a different way of looking at even though there was a different way of looking at it for, you know, 1,200 years at least, that, you know, primarily, that that rocks people so much. And it feels like, well, I'm not even sure you can be called a Christian. And certainly, you know, experiences in Oasis and with Steve Chalk and the the, the hate emails that came his way following you know his book on penal substitution well it wasn't a book on penal substitution it was on the message of jesus but you know he got enough hate mail after that so this is this is a potentially a really difficult subject so i want to say if this is something you don't want to touch if you don't question it and if it doesn't bother you you know switch off now i'm going to suggest because you know we're going to touch sacred areas deep areas um and you know I'm conscious of, you know, that email the other week that we're too light and too frivolous and flippant depth and everything. But we are going to have humour, but, you know, it is a serious thing. And I know it's a very sensitive uh, subject. And, you know, we are not out to offend people. But if talking about the cross makes you cross, stop. (laughs) So that's... It's
0: a a bit of an irony in there, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I I suppose... I
1: suppose um, I think for those who reach that stage, and it often comes in the mid-faith, sort of section of life where you you are trying to join some of the dots that you haven't been able to join i guess and in all honesty can probably never be joined but you're trying to make sense of the faith that that view that post enlightenment view penal substitution raises at least as many questions as it answers um, so so the question becomes the first question, it, 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 I think, it raises for, for us is: Is God really planning conscious eternal torment for all human beings, except the relatively small handful in history who belong to the Christian religion, and only those in the Christian religion who subscribe to a certain view of the cross? Um, you know, how is that just? And and the second question is that it raises is: Can can God really not forgive? Without punishing someone, without inflicting pain, and how come God in Jesus tells us to do exactly that? You know, doesn't it? Doesn't that view of the cross make a bit of a mockery of Jesus' teaching on non-violence? Um, and that perhaps that's why his teaching on non-violence is so widely ignored. And then a, a third question I think is, and perhaps the biggest of all is, do, do we really believe that the greatest you know existential threat to the human being is god venting god's wrath on that human being um and 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 there, and if you do believe that then you you put human beings into two categories the saved and the damned the beloved and the hated um so so those are some of the questions that i think arise out of some interpretations of the
0: atonement of the cross well one interpretation yeah one. Particularly, was Well, one, what we've, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Sort of majored in on. Yeah, uh, I guess so, yeah. right there. I suppose it's worth getting that out of the way, because that is the... Uh, what we've just... What you've talked about there is the... I'll touch on it later on, but yeah. what's talked about is uh, Penal Substitutionary Atonement, yeah. as it's known. Yeah. I'm going to use the acronym PSA. Yes. Uh, so that I don't have to keep saying the word penal. Yes. If, if that's all right <laughs> with you, <laughs> largely. Oh, has that ever bothered you before? No, no. So, PSA. PSA. Uh, and if, you, yeah. if you've ever been missold PSA, get in touch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And well, I think we'll offer, you get some al- in touch. we'll offer you some alternatives. <laughs> um, so, that is what you're talking about. That's the idea that uh, uh, our sin could, yeah. requires punishment, yeah. and that Jesus took our punishment. And therefore, we will not get punished, and we will yeah. kind of, uh, you know, uh, live live forever. we, so, we, we can, yeah, exactly.
1: So, so before I sort of, I think you're you're going to sort of summarize some of the view. Is that right? Yes. You're going to talk yes. about. Yes, so different... I'll go
0: through about two thousand years of history and some very complicated views in an entirely superficial and quick manner.
1: Right, I've got some colouring in to do while you do. <laughs> yeah, that. Okay. yeah um, But before we <laughs> yeah, do, we're... can can I read a quote? This quote from Brian McLaren because okay, no, well, he he's good at sort of summarising. Things nicely. So here it is. He says, This, how different if we believe that the greatest existential threat to human beings is human evil violence, greed, lust, fear, pride, anger, superiority, hate, malice, apathy, haste, rage, etc. If that's the case, then God enters the picture as the one trying to save us from the destructive effects of our own evil. God is not our greatest threat, but rather our greatest hope. God is not violent in nature and does not inflict harm, but rather is the model of non-violence, forgiveness, reconciliation, pardon, grace and kindness, inviting our imitation. True, most proponents of the theory quickly turn from emphasising God's need, requirements, desires and necessity to eternally and consciously torment human beings to God's willingness to substitute God's son for sinners. But the theory's assumptions about God's character can't be hidden. And even the escape clause has problems. How can justice and mercy be achieved through an act of injustice? If God is just, how can an innocent person be punished? So he's probably summarised the questions better than I have there uh, on PSA, as we are now calling yes,
0: it. Yes, I mean I'll talk about some of the other issues with yeah. it later well, on. I mean I could summarise yeah. that quote yeah. up by saying George Macdonald. I see your Brian McLaren, and I raise you George Macdonald. Ah, oh, darn it. George McDonagh said, basically, um, Jesus came to save us from sin, not punishment. Yes.
1: That's really good.
0: Salvation from hell, he says, is salvation as conceived by such to whom hell and not evil is the terror. Yeah. So when we talk about the cross, we are talking, I think, about salvation from sin in some Brilliant. way. But everything, whenever, as soon as we come to this, yeah, I think... Good. We're confronted by words and by what they mean. And, and what you mean by words like wrath and sacrifice and salvation, what what they meant mm. to the first century, what they mean to us now, it d- almost define how you're going to mm. view this this thing, this uh, this issue. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd like to go back to that question that Barbie um, yeah. said, which is early on, which is, why did he die on the cross? Why did Jesus... And, and the key question, why did Jesus die on the cross, is is yeah. sort of the fundamental question that, that people tried to grapple with. And there's a very obvious and straightforward answer to it straight away. Yeah. Because he really annoyed the Romans. Yeah, sure, yeah. Okay, the, the first and fundamental reason, and I'm, I'm not saying this is a superficial, trivial thing. I, right. I'm saying yeah. that, but actually, one of the things we miss out Yes. is the scandal of the cross. Absolutely. That Jesus Yeah. fell foul of the authorities, and he was uh, executed as a foreign insurrectionary. Only two types of people were ever crucified in the Roman mm. world, um, which were foreign insurgents, kind of, you know, bandits mm. and mm. basically political, you know, people fighting mm. against the empire, or um, slaves. So it was a, it, the cross wasn't actually a form of execution in and of itself. It was a form of shame. It yeah. was about shaming people. That's why it kind of also ties in with the discussion we had a little earlier about shame. Um, but... Yeah. Historically, that's the answer, and when we shouldn't ignore that—that that, that it was Jesus' radicalism, his his call for justice, his his uh, espousal of nonviolence—that yeah. meant th- that he was crucified. That's and he and he went to Jerusalem to offer people a choice. The the straight choice was become a disciple or kill me. That's that's the choice. That's why he knew it was going to happen. Yeah, okay. You know, I think I think I'd want to say that mm. straight away, and and it's because. The cross was scandalous that it becomes such an important part of early New Testament sort of discussion and debate because they've got to explain it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: you've you've got this new theory come into the world, this new this this idea that Jesus is the Messiah. Yep. How can that possibly be if he was crucified if he died the most shameful death? Yeah, it's So, the, the, yeah. so yeah. Paul's talk in one Corinthians and all this kind of stuff is about trying to overcome the. The foolishness, the sheer mm. absurdity that any god would ever be crucified in, 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 yeah. in uh, killed in that manner. Yeah, you can't kill um, God. Well, it's not that's just you that's, can't that's kill God. That's the
1: absurdity of the cross, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah, you can't. It's not just you can't kill God. It's you can't do it in that way because mm. it's that's for slaves. That's for low class. That's humiliating. Mm. So the sh- the sh- the scandal of the cross becomes is is really important. It's really. In a way, it's, it's, it's become de-scandalised. We don't get that anymore. We don't get how, how uh, low it was in that sense that Jesus went. So, so, th- so the, the New Testament writers have to deal with a few issues historically. They have to deal with the scandal of the cross. They have to deal with the idea that the Messiah was crucified yeah. And so that's actually an important thing. Why did Jesus die? Because yeah. in his own understanding of what it meant to be the Messiah, he, he says the Messiah must suffer and die. Yeah. So he, he sees it as a sign of Messiahship. But to Jews, that's a big problem because why, why with the Messiah? Yeah,
1: okay, so this is good. You're in the flow now. So look, how how does... Because <laughs> you know, you're a historian and Lord knows you've researched this and written books on it. So, I, you know, uh, t- how does... No, I've does, never written books on this bit. I tell you, I've avoided the, it. No, you have written books. Well, sort this, of, you? yes. No, you have. I'm sorry to yeah. correct you here, but I do okay, know what you've you. written. On. I take your rebuke. <laughs> so, no, the question is, how does
0: the New Testament understand yeah. those dilemmas, the Messiah being yeah. how How do they resolve that? Well, they, they use all kinds of different metaphors to explain that something mystical, something important has happened. They yeah. see that, yes, this was this, to, the, to the outside world, this looks shameful, but actually something deeper is happening here. There's a deeper magic. There's a deeper magic, and we'll come on to him, the old heretic, C.S. Oh, Lewis, because yeah, he, he espouses one particular theory at yeah. the moment. So, so they, they, they've got to explain that, actually, look, all is not what it seems. This, is, this mm. is much deeper. So they do see the cross as something of mystical and cosmic and spiritual mm. importance. It's not just about politics. Yes. So it's, yeah. it's deeper than that. But the thing we've got to remember straight away, before we get on to the theories is that they use all kinds of um, different language and different metaphors and sometimes muddle them up themselves. Mm. Um, I, I'm just going to read this. This is a bit from one of the, uh, this is from the Anchor Bible Dictionary, so it's a big theological dictionary. He says, mm. one notable feature of New Testament ideas about the atonement is their variety. Not only are differences found between New Testament writers but even the same writer can use what appears at times to be a bewildering variety of models and images to describe how the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus have changed the human situation. Mm. Sometimes, too, a writer can combine different images within a single sentence. <laughs> uh, I mean, then they quote one John, uh, uh, John 1, 29. Which is, so that in John 1, 29, John says, uh, John has John the Baptist saying, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Mm. So the Lamb of God is a reference to the Passover Lamb,
1: yeah,
0: and the Passover lamb wasn't a sin offering
1: Ooh.
0: so he's no, no it, was, it was an offering about liberation and, and uh, you yeah. know that kind of thing and so, so he's, he's already so combining already two things there yeah. yeah he's already combining two things how we understand the words is really important mm. how you understand a word like sacrifice is really key when yeah. you're using that metaphor so they all talk about exactly. they all talk about the cross as sacrifice but what we forget is that Jewish sacrifice and pagan sacrifice were quite different. So Jewish sacrifice doesn't really have much to do with sin. There are sacrifices for sin. Sin offerings, yep. There are sin offerings, but there are also Thanksgiving offerings. Yeah. And there were, the Passover was a recognition of liberation and freedom from slavery. Yeah. Uh, so it's, the cross is not all about sin either. No, this it's is good. it's about all kinds of other stuff. Are you well. heretic? Burn him! I know, I know. Send I your to stones to, to send your virtual <laughs> stones to
1: Joe at midfaithcrisis.org and I will forward them all at Nick.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, it is it is hugely about sin, but you know yeah. that, that, that that But it's but Old Testament sacrifice is, is not like that, sin. and Old Testament sacrifice is never, as far as I can see, about propitiating God yeah. about sac- about uh, yeah. appeasing Him. No, exactly. It's, it's not about that. At all. It doesn't talk about God's anger. It talks about an offering that you give yeah. to God out of some other uh, feeling. That's a pagan idea that you can propitiate Excellent. a God by giving them a, a gift, bribes, by, <laughs> by feeding them. Yeah, here's a, here's yeah. a, here's a meal. <laughs> And also, (laughs) the other thing about the Old Testament, rather helpfully, is it never it never explains what sacrifice does. (laughs) It never explains how it works. Well, doesn't but that's
1: great, doesn't that? I mean, doesn't the fact the Bible writers themselves use mixed uh, uh, mixed metaphors allow us to embrace the mystery of the cross? And it also gives us permission to never understand it, which I think is quite. (laughs) I genuinely is think key is point. quite important. That is for a key us. point. You know, we, we are not saved by having the correct theory of the atonement. We are saved by Jesus. I think we can agree on that. Yes. But we, we are not saved by having it all sorted. No, no that's, that's such down. a great point. Um,
0: f- nobody important. gets saved by a theory. Yeah, and, exactly. and, and that's the key thing. And, and we forget that somebody like Paul is writing to particular audiences and he's trying to explain something that even he says is a mystery. Yeah, And his foolishness. And he can't yeah. sort of get his head around. And what we do is take the little words that he said and we understand them in our ways, in our time, as, as yeah. 20th century, 21st century individuals. Yeah. And we, we then build, we turn his metaphors yeah. into statements of faith.
1: Well, we literally do a kind of join the dots of the cross. Yeah. Like that. We can do that. We have perfect understanding of it now, even though Paul didn't. Nobody, the Bible
0: doesn't give us, in fact, the correct view. It doesn't give oh, us the correct view. Oh,
1: that's now a, that's a quote for the book. The do, Bible doesn't. doesn't give us the correct view.
0: In the sense of one, <laughs> sense of one absolute answer, because different no, writers exactly. give us different things. Yeah. So I think the first thing is to say, uh, really to end here, is to say, well, look, if you go and look up the different accounts in, in the Bible, you will see different metaphors, different understandings yeah. of what the cross does. Fundamentally, It is Mm. about freedom from sin. It is about new life. Mm. It is about a change to creation Mm. and an entire change of the uh, the relationship of God uh, to the world. The other point I really would say just before we close this part is to say that we have to always bear in mind the Trinity. Mm. It it is not God doing things to Jesus on the cross. It is God on the cross. If you believe in the Trinity, Mm. you believe that is God hanging there. Yeah. And that is particularly mind-blowing.
1: Yes. So, I mean, this is a good point to leave it because it's a very hopeful note. And like I say, our aim is not to confuse people. Our aim is to help people understand you can have a bigger and more expansive and wider view of the divine and it's good and it's loving. And along the way, we are going to question these things, like even the most foundational of things, but we don't need to be scared of doing that. Um, so I hope you get that message as yeah. we uh, sign off here and then you download the next one at your pleasure you can even be very uh, disciplined and use you know delayed gratification and wait two weeks and listen to it you can just listen to it straight away yeah crazy alright thank you uh, thank you for listening everyone and um, we'll see you very soon
0: bye